Greetings to all of you who are on lockdown here at home and maybe abroad. This is uh, Pastor Bobby Barber, and I'm joined again by Pastor Andrew Hughes here. Uh, we are not together this week. We are actually uh, recording this remotely. Um, Andrew, you are in your lavish estate over on the west side of Indianapolis. So greetings to you. That's right. Uh, apologies in advance for any kid sounds that might come through on this. Do my best. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is raw. This is this is the raw version. We we want we're about raw content here on the Soma Northwest podcast. Um, I'm in my um, uh, Spartan office here in uh, Midtown, um, some of Midtown Church, because I too have crazy kids that I was trying to get out uh, from and get away from to be able to have a quiet place to record this. Unfortunately, we are without Pastor Nate Dunlevy again this week. Um, he sends his love uh, and also his regret. Uh, that he cannot join this podcast, but in his own words, you would not want him coughing all over the mic for a half hour, 40 minutes, or however long the Spirit of God moves us in this podcast and recording. But um, hopefully, Pastor Nate will be back with us uh, next week as we do this. This is our, I believe, third week, Andrew, that we're recording what uh, would have been our preaching topic uh, for this Sunday. We are in a series where we're dealing with the cross and the Christian life, examining um, the, the power and perspective that the cross gives us um, to life, but also specifically to this moment of crisis in which we're in, um, that we're trying to navigate as individuals, as a church community. Um, we have looked at uh, over the last few weeks, the centrality of the cross. Uh, we've looked at the cross and evil and, and crisis. Last week, we looked at the cross and um, loving our enemies. And this week, we are going to look at some pretty um, well-known words from Jesus in Mark chapter 8. And we are going to talk through what the cross um, how the cross helps us understand ourselves and what it means to follow Jesus. And so uh, if you're following along at home, we are in Mark chapter 8, and we're going to be looking at the passage contained in verses 31 through chapter 9, verse 1. And so uh, let me read that for us, and then uh, we'll get going here. And Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. And he said this plainly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself 
and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. And he said to them, Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God after it has come with power. This is the word of the Lord. So, Andrew, what does Jesus mean by denying ourselves and, and losing our life? What does he mean by that? Well, I wanted to start by helping us see the paradigm that Jesus sets up uh, specifically in this passage because he uses this, uh, this, uh, this paradigm all the time. Um, namely, if you look in verses 37 and 38, or 30, sorry, 36 uh, through 38, for what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? And in verse 37, for what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, um, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father and with the holy angels. And I see Jesus here uh, setting up this paradigm of uh, the things of God and the things of man, which is what the words that he used in his rebuke to Peter. Uh, Get behind me, Satan, for you're not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Uh, if you look at Jesus' parables when he's teaching his disciples, he often uses the phrase, uh, the kingdom of God is like dot, dot, dot. And so Jesus is setting up this uh, this dichotomy between the things that God thinks about and sees the kingdom of God and the things of man and the things that we see in this world around us. And so I, I think that's what Jesus is uh, leaning into here in this passage first in his rebuke of Peter. And then later when he says, what, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? So with that paradigm in mind, um, we can think now, uh, in line with Jesus about what he's talking about when he says deny himself or lose himself. Specifically, he's trying to orient his his hearers, both his disciples and the crowds that were gathered there, on thinking, uh, setting their minds on the things of God and not on the things of man is, is the main point there. So what does it mean to deny yourself? It means to deny the things of man that are in you, deny yourself the uh, the earthly things, the things that are here and now that we see um, and experience in, in this world and shift our thinking. And we talked about the cross uh, giving us the power of God and the perspective of God. Um, we see that theme coming up again in this passage that Jesus is trying to shift our perspective, set your mind on the things of God, deny the uh, earthly th things that are in you um, for the, the, the better good of the things of God. Yeah, I think the you know, the famous quote by Dietrich Bonhoeffer comes to mind that the, the cross is laid on every Christian. When Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. And that's what Jesus is doing here is um, calling 
those who would follow after him, in the words of John Stott, to renounce our supposed right to go our own way. And to your point, the the two the two things that Jesus is holding up here is there are things of God and things of man that when we when we choose to go our own way and follow after the things of man that we are inherently renouncing the things of God. Um, you know, Jesus was very clear um, in in speaking about money, um, but I think that this. It broadens out to a a uh, a larger framework of how we live that that we can't serve two masters that if we try to serve ourselves and serve our own way and serve the ways of this world then inherent in that choice is a renunciation of the way in which Jesus um, has called us to live the things that he says are ultimately important. Um, and, and it's interesting here, uh, you mentioned Peter's rebuke, um, and, and then in turn, Jesus's rebuke of Peter. And I, and I was thinking about that, like this, this idea of self-denial and giving up our lives, um, uh, for the sake of, of, a, of another, for the, for another sake or for a different kind of life that, um, this is just not natural. Like that, that just doesn't make sense to us. And here's Peter, who just uh, just in a few verses before this, uh, declares Jesus to be the Messiah. Uh, he 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 affirms what so many other people had not yet affirmed to that point that Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Messiah, and yet here when Jesus starts talking to Peter about his own death, that this is what I have to do, that the son of man must suffer many things and be killed, that that didn't compute to Peter because the way of self-denial and death never makes sense to us. <laughs> right, and This that's... can't be the way. Peter's like, no, this can't be the way. There has to be another way. You're, you're the savior king that was promised to us and you've come to establish your kingdom. And constantly Jesus is saying that the kingdom of God is not what you think it is, is not yeah. what you're expecting. I mean, we talked about this last week too with, um, uh, you know, the idea that Jesus came to do the will of the father. And that's all he does all the time is to, is do it. He's doing the will of the father. And that's what he's after here saying, set your mind on the things of God. Peter, you're not setting your mind on the things of God. You're setting your mind on the things of man. So what does it mean to deny ourselves in light of that? It's to, it's to set our minds on the things of God. And yes, to your point, that's not our natural inclination. Uh, Isaiah 53, which is a popular passage right now in Lent season coming up to Good Friday and Easter. Um, all, all we like sheep have gone astray. I mean, we talked about that last week too, but uh, we all like sheep have gone astray. All of us have gone our own way, you know, so this is, this is Jesus resetting us, resetting our perspective, giving us the perspective of God, not the perspective of man. So this, this cross carrying life that Jesus calls his followers to this um, giving of, of our lives 
over to following Jesus's way and what, what he is doing in the world, what Jesus says is ultimately important. It isn't natural, and it's certainly not natural for our society as a whole. It's not how we operate. And, you know, being the, the astute cultural commentators that we are, uh, <laughs> how do you see us being pulled by our society, by the way of, of, of living in this world? How are we pulled towards saving our lives? to use Jesus's phrase, instead of uh, losing our lives for his sake and for the gospel. What, what are some of the ways that you see that playing out? Well, I want to just go back to, to the passage again, uh, real quick. Uh, verse, uh, let's see. Um, yeah, verse 38. Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, uh, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his father with his holy angels. So Jesus talking about uh, those who are ashamed of him now, uh, he will be ashamed of them when he comes back and returns uh, in glory, the way that Peter is sort of thinking that he's coming uh, originally. Um, so the, the things of God are soul things and not earth things. The things of God are eternal things and not uh, temporary things And the world the, the world does not have that perspective. Um, the world doesn't have a perspective of eternity. There's, in, in uh, human terms of the way that the world operates, we don't think in terms of eternity. And so it's uh, the thought system of the world around us is really optimized for your best life now or optimized for um, getting the most out of, out of what's right in front of you because there is nothing else after this. Um, even, even, even some of the more humanistic uh, ways of thinking, you know, that uh, don't necessarily just live for yourself, but live to leave your best footprint on this world or something like that. Basically, you know, there is no eternal perspective in the way that society operates. And so um, I think we see it in, in all spheres of life. We see optimized for your best life now um, because there's, we don't know what's after this, or there's nothing certain after this. Whereas Jesus' perspective is an eternal perspective that you can lay down your life now because there's a greater life, a life, an eternal life in Christ with the Father. Uh, going back to Revelation, no tears, no evil things. Um, that's all coming. And so the Christian uh, who has died to the ways of the world can live in light of the hope of eternal life with Christ. I didn't give you specific examples, uh, but that's well. I think I think you the, the the general, you know, kind of again. I I know we we use this the the, the phrase "your best in the life now," you know, d to dump on Joel Osteen, and but but really, I mean, that is a great um, that is a great descriptor of of how so much of our society is uh, uh, is geared. Our whole society is built around saving, preserving, promoting our lives in the way that we want to live it. You know, be yourself, express yourself. Um, you find your own meaning and your own path. And, and this is, I mean, really what we're doing is we're, we're promoting a self-absorption a self 
we're promoting narcissism, if we're honest about it, that, that's cloaked in, in this sense of goodness and, and truth. You know, nobody's saying like, hey, you know, go out and just plow everybody over um, and, 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 and work the system to just get what you want and to be who you want to be and the heck with everybody. You know, nobody's using that kind of language. And, but, it's, but, it, but it really is, we really are encouraging people to do that in their lives as they think about uh, the trajectory of their lives, uh, what they want to do and who they want to be, we, we, we mask it in, in language that's palatable, um, in ways of thinking that, that don't make us feel like we're being narcissistic. But, you know, I, Martin Luther said that, you know, he, he talked about like the sinfulness of man, the, the phrase that he uses being curved in upon himself. Um, and, and that's really what we're seeing. It's like, we, we live in a society where we, we have more freedom of choice to choose our own way, to choose who we want to be and how we want to live and what we want to do with our life than any other civilization in history. I mean, our, and, and yet what we see is, is a society that is just wrapped with anxiety and depression and loneliness and addiction. And so at some point, we got to see that like this kind of free-flowing, you know, definition of, of freedom as being someone's own personal concept of existence, of meaning, of, of mystery of human life, of who I am and what I want to do, that it's just not working out. It's, it's not leading us to what true life is. And this is where in this passage, I think Jesus is, is offering a, a, not an easier way mm -hmm. in, in, by any means, but a better way. And so, you know, as we think about Jesus's words here and, and, and this call to laying down our lives, um, and instead of trying to save our lives and in Jesus's words, lose our lives, not only in an eternal sense, but even just in a here and now sense, like I mentioned with just the, 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 the problems that are just rampant, um, in, in our society, but in Jesus's words, flipping that around to lose our life for his sake and the gospel that we will save it. What does this look like for us? How is it possible that we can actually find our true self in losing ourselves for Jesus' sake? Mm -hmm. Well, I, th I think about uh, Paul's words in Hebrews 12, where he says, uh, Jesus for the joy set before him endured the cross. Uh, it's it's easy to to hear this commentary that we need to set our minds on the things of God and not on the things of man and read that as um, to deny ourselves means we deny ourselves all earthly good or all worldly things um, and you know just get in our holy huddle and uh, hang on until the rapture. Um, but uh, what what uh, the author of Hebrews says in chapter twelve is that Jesus 
for the joy set before him endured the cross. So he endured uh, the devastating um, judgment that was due to us on the cross for joy, for a joy that was set before him. And that joy that was set before him governed everything he did when he was here. And it was bound up in the will of God that Jesus had the, the long game in mind that he had the mind of God when he went to the cross, he had the mind of God a, f- a few uh, passages before the passage we read today, when he fed people, when he healed uh, the blind man, when he rebuked, uh, when he rebuked Peter for his lack of faith or his lack of eternal perspective. Um, so I think when we, when we deny ourselves, we deny the things that are earthly within us and we, we put on the mind of God. Um, we find ourselves in light of God's reality and God's truth and not just, not just in light of our social media profile or footprint. Um, but we, we begin to find ourselves the way that God sees us and the way that God wants us to see ourselves. And that's, I mean, that's what I think we see in Christ that for the greater joy set before him, uh, Jesus laid down everything came, you know, came up and took on human flesh uh, endured the cross, um, but it was for a greater joy set before him. I think when we, when we put on that mind of Christ and we, uh, deny ourselves, we, we, we find ourselves in the way that God sees us and in light of the way that God sees the world. I've been thinking a lot about that phrase of, of, of saving our lives, that when we lose our lives, that we will save it. And, you know, a lot of people, I think, read these words and just really narrow it down to what Jesus is talking about, you know, salvation. And, you know, um, that it, part of our problem is that we're, when we, whenever we see the word save in scripture, we automatically think it has to do with our justification salvation and and definitely Jesus is is pointing to uh, there's something eternal here but it's as if what Jesus is saying is that when you choose to 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 lay your life down and to lose your life for my sake your life will actually be given back to you that when you turn your life over to me, and as you said, you begin to pursue the things that I say are true and real and good and right. When you pursue, you know, um, the, the phrase that we use a lot, life with God and the rule of God, you, then you will realize what life really is. You'll realize you, what your life really is. As you said, you'll be defined by what I say is true of you and how I see your life and the way that you think about what satisfaction and fulfillment and meaning are in this life will actually give you a sense and and a taste of what satisfaction and meaning are eternally. Um, it, it's, we will it, be able to live like we were really meant to live. 
It's Romans 6. Uh, in Romans 6, Paul's talking about dying, uh, you know, dying, specifically dying to sin. He says, you were slaves to sin. Uh, I'm going to read, this is chapter 6, verses 20 and following. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness, right? This is the, uh, the things of man. This is the way the world operates. We're free in regard to righteousness. We're free in regard to law. In, in, in my mind, I'm free to do as I choose, to live as I please. Um, but Paul's saying, when you, that's how you think when you're a slave to sin. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So Paul earlier in the passage says, um, we, we've died to sin. We're no longer slaves to sin, those of us who have died in Christ. So in that passage, you see the dying to the one thing, um, bringing life in, in another sense. I think that really gets at what you're talking about here, where um, you know, Paul says the fruit that we get leads to sanctification, which is now the, the change in perspective now uh, and its end, eternal life. So yeah, we get, it, we get that taste of eternity, which really shapes and influences how we live now. Yeah, to paraphrase Dallas Willard, you know, we, we surrender a lesser dying self for a greater, fuller self, which is really our true self, you know, and I think that that is, that's the drive of so much of our psychology and, and, and um, um, uh, even just sociology in our current moment is everyone is trying to get to who am I? Like, what is my true self and how do I live into what, what it, who, how do I live into the person I truly am? And Jesus says, Jesus is saying here, this is the way. Like you mm -hmm. give up mm -hmm. your right to define who you are and what kind of life that you live. But when you give that up to, to Jesus, you are getting back what you're actually seeking. You, he is giving you back this free gift of life back to you um, to, to begin to experience life with God under his rule and reign, to begin to taste the goodness of eternity, the, 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 the beauty and the, the, just the soul satisfaction of being able to commune with the one true God. And, you know, I, I don't want us, I think the temptation sometimes is that we, we can, I mean, it's not a temptation. I think it's probably what we're just prone to do when we talk about this, that this is just some easy, like cognitive, logical decision that we make. I mean, this is a risk. Like what Jesus is calling us to do is to really risk, to step out in faith, you know, to step out and to believe mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that this promise that Jesus is actually making is true. Um, but the, 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 the goodness and the kindness of the, even though like Jesus, like where's the kindness in Jesus calling us to pick up an instrument of execution um, every day 
and follow him. But there is kindness because what Jesus is doing, he's calling us to step out in faith, to take a risk, but to risk ourselves for the sake of someone who is good, who is trustworthy, who is our shepherd, who has promised to, um, to, to not leave us in want, but to satisfy the desires of our heart. Like, so, so this, is, this is a rough, raw, rugged call to, to follow Jesus that demands a lot, but at the same time, we are following, we are following a savior who loves us and who is calling us into a life of communion, a life of care, uh, a life where we experience his gentleness and his kindness and the good gifts um, that he has in store for us. And so, um, so I think I, I don't want to lose that in this is that, yes, this is a rugged call. This is a strenuous call to leave uh, something behind and to, to, you know, in Bonhoeffer's words, to come and die. But the promise is, is that when we do that, that we experience more goodness than we could ever imagine. So, so let me ask you this. I, we started off by, by kind of drawing the, the, the contrast in what Jesus is calling us to do with what um, is innate in us to do and what our society encourages us to do, which is really just self-absorption and, and kind of narcissism. narcissism. Um, and we've made the contrast that what Jesus is offering is that we find our true self. Couldn't this just lead to another kind of self-absorption, another kind of, you know, sanctified narcissism where it's like we've just traded one uh, means to self-actualization with another means of self-actualization that's a little bit more biblical. Like how does, how does self-denial, which leads to self-understanding, how does it actually lead to a life of self-giving as we talk about the cross? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'll answer, I'll answer my own question <laughs> here by referring back to your, what you mentioned a few minutes ago. Mm -hmm. When we think about what the writer of Hebrews lays out before us and saying, we are to look to Jesus, who is the, 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 the founder and the perfecter of our faith, that Jesus laid down his life for a greater joy. And so when Jesus here calls us to carry our cross, he's not calling us to carry our cross in some esoteric sense. He's talking about a life of cross carrying that is real, that is relational, that is boots on the ground, because that's what he did. Like Jesus didn't sacrifice himself um, 
in some disembodied way. Jesus's sacrifice of laying down his life is actually the reason that he did that is in a very, very, very um, relational sense to bring people to himself, to make us right with God, and ultimately to be able to see the rule and the reign of God happen in its fullest sense, in, in the sense that it was intended to be lived out in a real way on this earth. And so when we think about this idea of laying our lives down so that we receive our lives back, it's not so we receive our lives back so we can go on just being obsessed with us. It's so that we can receive our lives back and live in the identity of the cross in understanding and knowing that this is the way that Jesus lived so that who he was uh, because of who he was, he laid his life down for others. He served others. He met the needs of others. He showed others. He pulled others out of darkness and into light. That is our example. And that is the power that we find in the cross, that as we lay our lives down, it's not only the power to begin to understand who God has meant us to be, but it's also the power to live our lives in the way that God has meant us to live, which ultimately is laying our lives down for others. Does that make sense, what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. It's, it, I've been listening to Beautiful Eulogy, and he's got a track that it's a, it's a beat under some sermon that I don't remember who the sermon's by, um, but the guy's got a line where he's talking about faith and what faith is, and he says, faith is not just believing in God, faith is believing God. And so in as much as we walk by faith and not by sight, uh, the point is that we're not just believing in God as in, as in believing there is a God, uh, but we are believing God, meaning we're believing God's promises. We're believing uh, the things that God has said, has revealed to us, namely his promises. We're believing those things are true and living in light of that faith. We're, we're living in the faith that the things God says are true. And if, Jesus lived his life in a way that was uh, self-sacrificing, um, self-denying, and in service to others for, the, for a greater joy that was set before him. Living, living lives of faith is living lives believing that Jesus uh, was right about the way he lived his life. It's, it, but to your point, the point you were making earlier, it requires faith. It's not, it's not something we necessarily... Uh, get assurance of, you know, in any real sense right now, it's, it's, we've got to live by faith that what God says is right and true and, uh, namely in the life of Jesus. Yeah, that's a good word. Well, let's wrap this up and take a minute to think about what this kind of life looks like right now in this specific moment of crisis, pandemic. I mean, you know, if, if there's any more true a picture of the baseness of our narcissism and self-absorption, it was the pictures of the uh, 
toilet paper aisles at the beginning of this and the stories of people hoarding toilet paper and, and hand sanitizer and Clorox wipes and, you know, uh, which was roundly denounced in, uh, in pretty much every corner of the, uh, uh, of the interwebs. As we're in this crisis, and as we're trying to figure out a way forward here and even trying to, to, to look ahead to what life might be like on the other side of this, um, I think we see, we see fear, we see anxiety, we see um, people acting in ways that, um, that really reveal the, the, the fact that, that as a society we have become unmoored, um, that we've moved away from any sense of like a, a real um, uh, a collective identity that, um, that, that we see some of the negative fruits um, of self, I, you know, just this whole, you know, me, myself and I, uh, type of culture. But as I was thinking about, you know, some practical ways, what, what is a life of um, laying down our lives, picking up the cross of Jesus, which is not just a, uh, you know, the, the cross is not just a difficult relationship or an uncomfortable situation. You know, we kind of throw that phrase around, well, this is my cross to bear. You know, what Jesus is talking about here and what we've gotten to um, gotten at in, in this recording is that the cross is a symbol, a symbol of death to self. And mm -hmm. in this moment of crisis, there are very, very practical, clear ways in which we die to ourselves. I think of like ways in which we are disadvantaging ourselves for others, you know, looking for ways to help people who have lost their jobs in this. Uh, and supporting their families, thinking about um, uh, the the the, the thousands and thousands of kids in our cities who, who um, are dependent on school breakfasts and lunches every day, and now that schools are out, to see individuals and groups in our communities coming together to make sure that those kids are still fed and they have food. Um, thinking about people that are going out of their way to take to to take care of uh, the aging um, and and older folks, the 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 neighbors that have uh, that are um, that are compromised and and are at risk risk here, and people going to the grocery store and people you know just doing some very small tasks to make sure that those who are most vulnerable in our society are being taken care of during this crisis. But Andrew, as you think about this, what, uh, what, what, are, some, what are some ways in which um, you see this kind of life uh, rising up and standing out in the moment of this crisis? Well, to go back to the, the paradigm of setting our minds on the things of God and not on the things of man, uh, a way that we can practice self-denial and we can practice picking up our cross during this crazy time is to really be intentional about that, to even to sit down and say, 
how can I now set my mind on the things of God? What are the things of God? They're uh, things that are internal, people's souls. Um, am, I, am I being intentional about setting my mind on things of God? And so it might look like, for example, uh, reining in our, our inclination to uh, binge watch Netflix um, and swapping that for spending time uh, praying for people that we love, that we know are having a hard time with this. Or, or calling them or setting up, uh, you know, video chats with them. I know a lot of folks are doing discipleship groups virtually right now. And that's been really encouraging, but I know that it, it can also feel like sort of a, a reprieve from the onslaught of the daily activities that we normally have. And we can be inclined to say, wow, this is really refreshing. I'm just going to veg and I'm going to peace out for a couple of weeks. Um, so I think that's one really clear opportunity that we have to, to pick up our cross during this time is um, just to check ourselves on how we're, how we're spending this time and how we're thinking about our time in quarantine. And are we, are we making the most of that time for the good of others? Are, we, are there things that we can be laying down that we you know, might be selfishly inclined to pick up uh, while we're hunkered down? Um, it's just one example that comes to mind. I want to leave us with the words of Paul in Colossians chapter three. And, and so if you're listening to this, maybe just stop what you're doing. Um, take a deep breath, hear these words and um, allow them through the spirit to sink down deep. Paul writes, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Paul goes on in the next few verses to say, this is what earthly thinking and, and living looks like. But in verse 12, he picks up and says, instead, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all of these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. As we think about life in this crisis, as we think about what life holds for us tomorrow, the call of Jesus to lay our lives down each and every day, to give up our lives for his sake so that we can in return, receive our true selves 
in Paul's words, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. We live in the reality that we are God's, that we have been bought with a price, that the cross of Jesus not only helps us get helps us have the eyes to see who we are and to see our lives in this world, but the cross of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus gives us the power to believe that that is true and to live as those things are true. And so folks, um, we love you. Uh, we are praying for you. We know that this is not an easy time for many of you. We know that there's anxieties and that there are fears, that there are unknowns that all of us are stepping into each and every day. But let this word of Christ dwell in you richly. Um, let's teach it to each other. Let's admonish it, admonish one another. Let's sing together. Let's be thankful in our hearts and let us approach each and every day uh, in our words and in our deeds, doing all of those things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. So peace be with you. Andrew, did you have something else to say before we roll no, out? I was just going to offer to close us in prayer. Yeah. Why don't you do that? Okay. Thanks, Bobby. Father God, speaking on behalf of myself as well as Bobby and Nate, we do love the people of Soma Northwest and we're grateful for them. Uh, this is a hard thing to do, to do life together um, in quarantine, do life together uh, with such uncertainty around us. And God, we do ask for your help in this. And Specifically, God, we ask that you would help us to believe you, to look at your word and to see the promises in your word and the way that uh, Jesus lived on this earth in light of the better joy of eternal life at your right hand. God, and I pray that you would fill us with faith to live now in light of eternity, um, to see that it's better to give than to receive and to see that the way of the cross is better than anything else we could come up with on our own. God, I pray for the folks that are quarantined as we think about how to, how to pick up our cross uh, in this strange time. Help us to be aware of the folks around us and the, the types of decisions they're having to make and the, the types of anxieties that they have because of this uh, pandemic. Um, God, help us to be empathetic people, to be aware of the fact that the people around us uh, are experiencing different things in different ways. And uh, as we look to pick up our cross, I pray that we would do it with an awareness of the needs of the people around us, that we would be able to set our minds on the things of God, that we'd be able to see people with the eyes of God, in light of the word of God, um, that you would just help us to pick up our cross daily for the joy that you have set before us in Christ. Jesus, we're so grateful that you went to the cross to purchase for us the right to lay down our right to dictate how we live our lives and to pursue the better life with you. Help us to do that this week, even as we're apart from one another, 
God, I pray that uh, technology would continue to, to serve to help us to connect and that we would take full advantage of it, um, that we might be an encouragement to one another. We love you, Lord, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.